Hello and welcome to An Evening with Nirvana. I am Nirvana, obviously. This is a podcast where I talk to guests from the Doom community and outside of it uh, about things like level design, speedrunning, MIDI creation, you know, other aspects of game development. Today on the podcast, I'll be talking to Dracu, a notable speedrunner in games like Doom Eternal, Doom 2016, Resident Evil 7, and also, I believe, still a world record holder for glitchless any percent in Wolfenstein The New Order and Wolfenstein The Old Blood. You can watch him stream on Twitch, where he also does casual playthroughs of games and occasionally dabbles in Doom P-Wads. So, uh, how are you doing today, Dracu? I'm doing great. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Uh, excited to have you on. Excited to talk to you about some of these games. And a little bit about Doom as well, obviously. Yes, sir. Well, I'll start with uh, a basic one. Uh... What was sort of your early gaming life like? Were you a console gamer initially, or were you like on the PC straight away? Um, I think I was a console gamer. I think some of my earliest memories are from like going to my cousin's place and playing like NES or SNES with them. Mm-hmm. I played, I played all the Mario games as a kid, and then. I myself had maybe an NES, um, and then uh, a, a significant chunk of my childhood was spent with a PlayStation One and a PlayStation Two. So, yeah, I was very much a console gamer up until like I don't know at what point because mm-hmm. we we did get a computer at some point and I played Doom on it, but I kind of went back and forth because a lot of a lot of my friends um, were console gamers for a long time, so that kind of uh, based on that, I chose the platform that I played games yeah, on. Right. So it was like a bit more of a social thing for you when you were gaming? Like you'd go to friends' houses and play games together and stuff? Oh yeah, absolutely. And they'd come over to our house and we'd play whatever. Mm-hmm. So a lot of platformers and things like that. Did you get into FPS uh, like quite a bit later or was that with Doom? Doom was probably one of the earliest FPS games that I played. Um, so, like it, it, it was probably somewhere around middle school when I first discovered it, because one of my friends had Doom in some form, and they somehow got it onto my PC. I don't remember how. Right. And then we just, you know, ended up hanging out and playing it. I, I, all the my earliest Doom memories are so hazy. I don't like quite remember. I, I remember what the Doom ninety five. Is that the source pod? I remember what that. I remember what that like boot up looked like. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I think that's one of my earliest FPS games. Other than that, I was playing a lot of like Crash Bandicoot and what whatnot you had on the 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 old PlayStation. Yeah, the PS One. Um. So you. You said your sort of memories of early Doom are quite hazy. Do you remember, did you sort of play Doom 1 first or did you end up having like Doom 2? I know a lot of people like, some people would just have like a disc that had all the iWads and they wouldn't even know which ones they were playing. So it's always interesting to hear people's first experiences. I think by the time my friend introduced me to Doom, uh, Plutonia and TNT were already out. So we ended up playing all of them. And one of my like fondest or most vivid early memories is playing um, Plutonia's Map 32 go to it. Like yep. just 
day in day out because it was just so much fun such a chaotic mess yeah but yeah we we played all of them mm-hmm. yeah goto is definitely one of my early childhood memories with uh with doom as well just um trying to get through that without saves <laughs> definitely one of the big oh, struggles yeah. um did you sort of enjoy like challenging games from quite a young age then like was difficulty a big part of the appeal Mm, probably not i'd say it became more of a thing once i started speedrunning things and streaming because it was just kind of entertaining to do that i mean i've already i've always played fps games on the hardest difficulty probably even before i streamed it's just something that i've i don't know just the way i've always played mm-hmm. did you have the n64 or did you you had just the ps1 you went down the sony route yeah i went down the sony route like my um i I went from having the nes to having the wii u (laughs) in between those two i had no nintendo console that's interesting what did you play on the wii u i feel like there weren't a lot of games actually from memory they had win yeah i don't i don't i don't remember playing anything on it to be honest (laughs) yeah It, it was it was probably one of the worst consoles to like choose to go back to nintendo for i think actually it was the wii u uh yeah i don't remember why i bought it but i bought it secondhand so maybe not that big of a loss yeah that's okay well wind waker hd was on it which was very good actually i think that was probably one of the big ones i think they had mario yeah, I, lo- I, yeah. I love wind waker that that's a great game yeah really good uh, so you you played like rpgs and things like that as well it hasn't always just been fps Oh yeah, I, I like I I play a wide variety of games. I kind of specialize in FPS, sure, and I always have probably, mm-hmm. but I've enjoyed all kinds of different games, right? Like, from platformers to strategy games to God knows what else. Mm-hmm. And when did you sort of get interested in speedrunning and start wanting to uh, actually do runs of games? Mm, well, I actually. I started speedrunning in late 2014, I think, because that's when I also started streaming uh, because it was, I wanted to start speedrunning. And then I thought at the same time, streaming would be a nice way to maybe engage with some of the people from that community of of the game that I was going to run. And then at the same time, it's a free way for me to get a recording of a personal best or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's a, just a chance to get two birds with one stone. Um, so that was late 2014. But even before that, I had watched some speedruns of like Half Life and Quake, which always looked so. At that at that point in time, I didn't know how to do like the strafe jumping, bunny hopping, that kind of advanced movement stuff. Yeah. So it was always very impressive watching those runs, and I wanted to try and learn them. And I had tried to learn Half Life a few times, but I never got past like five minutes into the run um mm-hmm. but yeah uh, late 2014 with the there's a game called lamel and a remake that i just ended up picking up which is a very odd choice for me but that was my first speed game yeah i did see that on uh on your youtube that the first sort of things uploaded to youtube were of lamelana and uh i well it's a non-fps for people who don't know <laughs> 
It's sort of, is it a platformer actually? I'm not actually sure. If... Yeah, it's it's a it's a Japanese um, Metroidvania style 2D platformer exploration game. It's very interesting, mm-hmm. and I had never played it, and then I just decided to speed on it for whatever reason. But yeah, it's a very odd choice for me. Mm-hmm. And in that sort of, I suppose talking about playing these non-FPS games, are there? non-FPS titles that you would like to run uh, these days? Or do you feel like you just enjoy sort of the routing process for, F- for FPS or or you're just so used to doing those types of games that uh, it seems like a bigger time investment or a lot of effort to sort of get into doing like an RPG or something? I've, like, I've run a lot of games and a few only a few of them have been on fps but i don't necessarily i wouldn't rule out a non-fps because i've considered there's there's be multiple games that i've actually learned like fable one i learned at some point pretty much the whole run i just never actually ended up doing it that's a game that i grew up with that's a game that i love Uh for some reason i just didn't end up running it um i learned i think i learned Harry Potter and the what's the second Harry Potter called? Chamber of Secrets. Uh, yep, I learned the PC version of that. I like one hundred percent category for it because it's actually a very entertaining run. I just learned it on a whim at some point and then practiced it and then never actually run it. So there's like examples of non-FPS games that I have considered and maybe even learned, but then I just. Sometimes it happens where I, I have to learn a game and actually practice it for a bit to decide that eh, maybe this isn't the right choice for now or right. whatever else the stars don't align and I just don't want to do it. Um, but yeah, I, I don't, it, 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 all it takes for me to run a game is one, it needs to be fun enough for me and two, to some extent, if people like watching it, it's like those are the two main factors into it. But I would not shout out a game just because it's not an FPS game. Right. So what you're saying is people can expect the Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets run <laughs> very soon. I actually talked about it on my stream the other day. It's a, it's a weird choice. It's a fun run. Or at least it was back when I, probably around 2016, maybe when I learned it. That was a while ago. Maybe the whole... Uh runs opened up now new tech for harry potter and the chamber of secrets <laughs> perhaps <laughs> well i i mean i think i'm actually somebody who really likes watching speedruns of games that i would never play myself uh like agdq i always like watching like awful block and you know just games that i would absolutely never touch because i i'm like well i'm not gonna play this but <laughs> watching it is fun so all right, and th- those awful block is one of the most entertaining blocks. It's the same for me. I, I don't really care to watch a game that I've played for hundreds of hours myself. Yeah, I mean, sometimes if-, if I really don't know anything about the speedrun, I'm interested like to watch it the first couple of times. But yeah, I generally prefer to watch stuff that I I'm vaguely interested in the game, but I wouldn't actually want to like buy it and play it. Yeah, and it's a great way to get introduced to new games as well. It's one of the reasons why I started speedrunning, because there's so many goddamn different games, and I don't necessarily want to play through all of them. Or at, when I started speedrunning, that was the thought in my head. 
I was like, speedrunning them would be a good way to introduce myself to them without having to actually play the game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I read in an interview when I was sort of doing a bit of research for this that uh, you had watched someone, was it someone playing La Mulana? And that's what made you want to play the game and run it? Yeah, so it was, uh, it was a GDQ run. I don't remember if it was a GDQ 2014 or something, but it was a uh, Games Done Quick run by Hidden Distance of La Mulana that I was just randomly watching. I had no idea what the game was, but um, he did such a good job of making the run entertaining um and it was at that point in time it was like a two-hour run that's a long time in investment and i watched the whole thing and it was very entertaining and i instantly wanted to just pick up the game after that and start running it and i did mm -hmm. yeah i do think agdq is like i mean uh that's how i found out about speedrunning uh as like an actual thing that people did i suppose uh, through Age of DQ and seeing like I think it was the All Medallions run of Ocarina of Time and uh, and Mario 64 and stuff I think I saw Siglemic, uh people like that playing and and that's what introduced me initially just seeing some of those crazy like really glitched runs of Nintendo 64 games and stuff I, I found really fun um, so I guess talking about sort of more uh, your runs specifically you've done but a lot of different id games. You've done Quake, you've done Doom, uh, twenty sixteen. You've done Doom Eternal, all the Wolfenstein games. Uh, is there something about id games that you enjoy in particular, and that makes you want to run them? I think the the, the things that attract me about a game is that, in in the speedrunning sense, is that it's just fun to play in general and like I, I can enjoy a speedrun a game as a speedrun if it has like fun gunplay it has fun movement maybe it has cool glitches in the run it doesn't necessarily have to have all of those things it might just have one of them and that's enough for me mm -hmm. um and it, it software games usually and it's software affiliated games usually have multiple of those things and it also tied back into the I wanted to um, play through most of like more of their backlog and more FPS games that I hadn't played before. So that was also my way of like, okay, I've played this in software game. Now, what else have they done? Okay, let's try that out. Now I'm going to run this and just kind of organically go through them. Mm hmm. I think the um I think the first time I saw you streaming you were playing uh Ancient Aliens um I believe. I think it was just a casual playthrough. I don't think you were doing runs or anything. Uh, I was just wondering sort of what were some of the first Doom P-wads that you actually discovered uh if you recall. I've been trying to think of that. I don't think like <laughs> Early in the days, it was just it was Doom One, Doom Two, it was TNT and Plutonia. I don't know at what point I even discovered that like custom stuff existed. Because mm -hmm. I feel like Ancient Aliens to me was one of the like my proper introductions to yeah. the world of 
custom Doom content, and after that, it just floodgates open, and I after that just played everything. Yeah, I, I at mean, least I, if I if I recall, mm-hmm. I think I saw on your YouTube you played Memento Mori and Alien Vendetta, but I'm guessing that came after, and you sort of went back and played those. Probably, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you? And then I might, I might have gone like recommended because like King Dime stops by my chat sometimes, so maybe you know actual actual Doom players recommended me because I I probably like before streaming I definitely didn't play custom stuff, so it must have been I on stream played something like Ancient Aliens and then. I got either got recommended something else in the same same vein, or I went looking out for something else, and it just went from there. Mm-hmm. I see. I I haven't sort of caught all your PWOD streams, but I do remember for Ancient Aliens, you. I think you were playing. You were playing continuous, but I think if you died, you went back to pistol start. I can't remember what you had like a very interesting way of playing it. I was wondering if you uh, do it more like pistol start for everything now, or or if you generally keep that kind of continuous mixed playstyle. What uh, what I used to do early on, I I never really did pistol starts, which I I've thought about starting to do that now where I like go through whatever because I I've never even done doom 1 and 2 with pistol starts for every map, but mm-hmm. thought about starting to do that. Uh what I used to do was I used to do a map without saving, which is so so if I if I, if I die I start the map over but it would still be what with whatever weapons I had I wouldn't do pistol starts because um, that that just that just to me amplified the importance of like a fight because you can just you know if you do quick saving then you can just it doesn't matter there's no stakes yeah. with anything yeah and that's what I used to do I guess it's kind of an interesting mix because uh, you don't necessarily have the issues that pistol starting can <laughs> can bring up sometimes if you're playing like fully saveless pistol start uh some wads can obviously be really punishing in that way but it seemed like an interesting mix of things to do yeah um and and i moved away from that because it's after a while if i'm struggling with a map i get i go like a, a 30 minute map and i keep dying on like one fight i'm streaming it it's like that's not probably that enjoyable to watch at that point so i moved away from doing that but it, it was honestly the way i preferred to play just because it um kind of kept me on my toes and made things interesting yeah i mean it's tough when you're streaming because you you're very like you're a lot more aware of how much time you're spending doing everything so you don't really want to be like feel like you're wasting your viewers time or whatever yeah, sometimes you got to compromise. Mm-hmm. Do you have like a a favorite P word uh, out of the ones that you've played? Ancient aliens. Oh, it Easily, ancient it's aliens. not even close. <laughs> have you played a lot of other skill source stuff? Valiant and um, Vanguard and things Va- like that? Valiant is my number two. <laughs> yeah, um, I've played some of his stuff. Ancient aliens, Valiant, and there was another one that was recent that I played. I haven't gone through like his whole backlog, but mm-hmm. you might, you might. That's his most recent, I think. Maybe I don't remember much about it anymore. Um, but yeah, you might call me somewhat of a skill saw simp. 
Skillsaw is great. I, I talked to him on the podcast too, actually. Uh, and lovely guy. Makes very good maps. Um, uh, Vanguard was always my favorite. One of his, one of his very early ones. Probably his first like proper full release of, uh, like several maps together. So I would always recommend that one. That's pretty quick too. If you have like a short amount of time on stream or something to play it, it might be a good choice. Hmm. Uh, so I'm, I guess I like I've noticed. I guess because you only sort of dip in and out of Doom you haven't really sort of gone into like the harder like slaughter and like challenge wads like I i'm sure you've heard of stuff like sunlust and, and sunder are there's things that are sort of on your radar to play or are you not really interested in like that kind of experience for doom i genuinely do not care for slaughter maps uh -huh. that's why i li i like skill source slaughter maps because i feel like they are great examples of how to still make slaughter maps interesting a lot of the and i'm sure there's others who do it as well i just don't like in general the idea of slaughter maps doesn't interest me and i don't care to go through all the pain of trying to find the one good map amongst a hundred bad maps in my opinion or uninteresting maps in my opinion so um yeah i don't know it, it's one of those like sunlust i've heard I've heard it being mentioned often, and people ask me about it once in once in a while. Um, I might try it eventually, but mm -hmm. well, I would say that Sunlust isn't really. It definitely has some slaughter encounters later on, but for the most part, it's a lot more about sort of um, it's more combat puzzly, really. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of the monster counts aren't super high. But uh, people call it slaughter because it's sort of a catch-all term for just sort of like challenging stuff, I guess. Yeah. But you might enjoy it, who knows. Uh, uh, in terms of Quake, uh, you sort of... I saw that you had like quite a lot of YouTube stuff for that, a few speedruns. I think it was mostly of custom stuff. But uh, was that a game that you played on release or was that another game that you sort of came into later on? Um... I came into it later on. I Quake Two was my first Quake, and that was when I started speedrunning it, uh -huh. which was in like 2015, probably. I think Quake Two was my second speed game, so that must have been in 2015. And after that, I, at some point, I went and played Quake, and then I discovered custom stuff for that as well, and it was a lot of fun. And I'm still kind of I I do like. I do some mapping for Quake once in a while. Yeah, I was going to ask, uh, sort of what got you into mapping for Quake originally? Like, did you have any level design or modding experience before Quake? Or was that your first game that you decided you want to make custom stuff for? It, it ended up being my first. Before, I, I was interested in doing something, doing something for, like, Doom. Um, but I hadn't actually got to it. And... I don't remember why I ended up picking Quake. I think it was just because I was hanging around um, people who were doing mapping stuff, not necessarily for Quake, but for like Reflex Arena, for example, which mm -hmm. is a community that I hung around in at that point, which had like an in-game editor and all that stuff. So I had that, that kind of itch to explore something. And I think I had been playing Quake custom stuff recently and then bouncing off of that discovered the 
edited trench broom and like uh people had started making actual tutorial youtube tutorials for it so it was very easy to just pick up and start doing stuff so i just jumped on one of the mapping jams that they had going on and crunched out a first map for it mm -hmm. so yeah i was kind of curious if you had thought about making stuff for doom because doom is usually a bit more of like a bit of an easier entryway i feel because it's mostly just sort of drawing lines and uh in the editor like it's a bit more simplistic um were you sort of a bit more interested in working with like modern tools was that also something that was important or or not necessarily not necessarily um and i think i i don't know if i would consider doom easy i it, it really depends like what you get comfortable with i think and it's a bit of a thinking process when it comes to actually constructing the map between like doing maps for quake and trench broom and mapping for well, mapping for quake um um uh, w with doom i still want to do mapping for it it's just finding the time and actually just sitting down and getting familiar because i like i like doodling around in different editors and seeing how long it takes me to get up to speed with how they work and then doing like a small scene or something I can take some nice screenshots of that I can post on Twitter or whatever. But with Doom, I would like to actually make something playable because Doom has always been a part of my life and it would be fun to explore that. It's just finding the correct time and place to do it has mm -hmm. always been an issue. I've, I've tried a few times in the past. It's just I don't get very far past building my first room. Yeah, it's tough. I do I do feel like while the Doom community is like been around for a really long time and like there are some resources out there, I don't think there are many modern like YouTube videos or uh like too many great tutorials on it. I think Bridgeburner has some tutorials and stuff, but that's usually for like slightly more advanced stuff. Uh but I think we could do a better job of kind of helping people learn how to use the tools. Yeah, I think onboarding definitely in my experience and my most recent experience i think at this point is like a few years old i don't know how much things have changed but it's there's so many like doom is taunting daunting because there's so many different source ports yeah which alone is like okay i, I don't i'm already overwhelmed i don't know where to start and when it comes to yeah when it comes to editor stuff um, actually having concise, easy-to-follow YouTube tutorials is great because it makes the whole process of trying to learn things way easier and you don't, like, if, if you don't have up-to-date tutorials and you have to go scouring forums and you have to look outdated videos for not necessarily even the same editor anymore, editor version, it's, it's hard. Yeah, well, the editor has changed, like... I think it's changed like probably two or three times in the last like <laughs> couple of years, honestly, like the one mm -hmm. that most people use. And then like you're saying, a lot of the YouTube videos, like because there are different formats that you map in that only work in certain source ports and, you know, all the source ports to con like consider in terms of just playing the game. 
even for speedrunning, uh, Doom has its own demo system, which is totally different to every other game. Everything about the game is kind of like esoteric and impenetrable, I think, for a lot of people. Which is a bit of a problem uh, that maybe needs to be sort of uh, sorted out. And like I said, there are people like Bridgeburner who, like, he has done some tutorials. I think there's another guy called Dragonfly, I think he has some but sort of GZ Doom related stuff, but um, the basics definitely need to be covered a little bit. Uh, uh, in terms of, I guess, sort of getting back to Quake quickly, uh, I was curious if you did you play much of the like competitive multiplayer for that game? Is that something? Because I I know you I remember you playing sort of like the battle mode for Doom Eternal and stuff, but I feel like you like you you're either speedrunning or playing casually through single player games. I don't really see you play too much multiplayer. I was curious if that was sort of uh part of your life at any point. Oh yeah, I got I got major into different arena FPS games. Um so I actually my first competitive multiplayer game is Team Fortress 2. Mm -hmm. Um from which I then moved on to Reflex Arena, which is an arena FPS game similar to Quake. Um and that that was like my first arena FPS game where I learned to do like bunny hopping and all that all that jazz. And after that I've I've at at this point I've played quite a few different iterations of the Quake multiplayer format, like Quake Champions I've played, I've played CPMA, I've played Quake Four. Um it it's very much what I'm into. Um Mm -hmm. And I've always enjoyed it ever since I discovered it, which is re pretty recently. Mm -hmm. All things considered. Yeah, I guess it, I I suppose I was asking because when I think about you as like a speedrunner, I feel like when even in this sort of interview that I looked at, I, and when I hear you talk about speedrunning in general, you're not necessarily someone who strives for like world records and like high leaderboard placements and and stuff. A lot of the time, it seems like you're just speedrunning because you find it fun, <laughs> for the most part. Uh, is that sort of your sole reason for speedrunning games? You think just to have an enjoyable experience, or or do you feel there is some level of like competitiveness to why you do it? I, I I absolutely do it for the fun. I don't care for the whole like, especially these days. Maybe early on when I first started speedrunning, I was a bit more competitive, and I spent more time with an individual game because these days I'm like, I speedrun a game for two weeks and I'm done. I'm, I just get bored and I move on to something else. I have no patience, I guess, or I I have like a specific one specific goal, which is to get you know, whatever it is, a new personal best or break the record if I feel like I can do it. And then I just move on to the next project. But I've never, like, even early on, I've never felt like, okay, this is my speed game. I'm going to focus solely on this one game for the following five years until I hate myself and everyone around <laughs> me. And yeah. I'm just going to keep playing it until I'm the freaking best at it. I, like screw that i can't power the people who do that with different zelda games and super mario 64 and whatever i could never it's it's so mind-boggling to me how do you not want to die inside after a while it's just but yeah um it, it's definitely fun has always been the main thing for me and i if i'm if i care for any challenge it's challenging myself and seeing how 
much I can push uh, the time down on a specific run. I don't care for like competing against other people, never have. And I actually intentionally sometimes, the, one of the things that influences which game I end up running is how active of a, of a leaderboard does it have? How many people are actually running it? If there's too many people, I don't want to get in there. Because they're like, I've had I've had a few experiences where some like I pick up a game, I run it for a while, I beat the record, whatever, I move on, and then six months later, someone who's seen my run, they've improved on it, then they show up in my chat and they start talking crap. They're like, "Oh, why why don't you come and beat my time?" And I'm like, "Dude, I don't care. I don't even remember playing the game anymore. I just don't care. I don't care for that aspect at all." Um, hilarious but yeah it it it, it's very much about just pushing myself and hopefully i've I've always also i like being the middleman in a speed run where like okay no one's really running this game right now i can come in i can maybe find some improvements to the route uh i can do a decent enough run where i'm happy with it where i execute all strats to a decent enough of a degree, uh, I can put that out there, and someone else might see that, feel inspired, and then they pick up the game and improve the time even further, which has happened multiple times with games that I've run, and now there's like, like, I, uh, yeah, I'll take the credit. There's a few games where like, it was completely dead, I came in, I did something, and then someone saw my run, and then now there's an actual community around the game with multiple people running it and it's been like my time has been long forgotten and improved over and that's great that's why i like it and yeah i just generally like having fun i like routing games and i like running multiple different games instead of focusing on just one yeah well i think one of the reasons that i enjoy watching your stuff is that you do play like a good variety of games and you play some like obscure stuff that I've never heard of. And uh, I always enjoyed that you weren't sort of super hung up on world records and, and grinding out the same game for like months at a time, actually. Uh, can uh, just sort of on that topic, you did sort of touch on it briefly, but can you think of a time when a game was sort of actually ruined by speedrunning it where like grinding hurt the experience for you? And I guess alternatively, can you think of a time where like a game was made much better by learning the speedrun? Hmm. My gut instinct is to say Doom Eternal, but uh-huh. uh, I don't necessarily think because it's usually when it gets to that point where I just I've been grinding the game for a while, I come to the realization that I'm not having fun anymore. I just stop, I just move on, and then I, you know, I forget about it, and then I can come back to it at some point and maybe enjoy it again. Mm-hmm. I don't really think anything has been ruined. Like, there's some games that I just, I don't think I'll ever run them again, but it's not because I'm, like, completely sick of them, it's just because the run has gone in a different direction that I don't enjoy anymore. Right. Um, mm, what was the second part of the question? I guess, do you think that there were, like, games that you 
enjoyed a little bit, and then they were sort of markedly improved by learning the speedrun for them. Hmm. There's probably a few examples of that where I've like played through the game, and it's been fine enough, but I'm you know, never going to probably touch it again. Maybe Daikatana is a decent example of that, although that game is pretty fun these days just to play through. Um, I mean, there's definitely multiple games where I enjoy playing them to a degree, but then the speedrun is the real fun of it, like Wolfenstein 09, for example. That game, the speedrun is a lot of fun. Casually, I probably wouldn't play it anymore. Um, I feel like Daikatana is similar. And there's probably others. I've run so many games that it's even hard for me to sometimes remember how, like, what I've run. Yeah. But, yeah, there's probably multiple examples like that. Mm, sure. And <laughs> I guess to touch on a game that uh, uh, has varying opinions on its quality, I guess. Uh, Doom 3, when it came out, I'm curious sort of what your initial thoughts on the game were. <laughs> and, like, do you think the game's aged well, for instance? Oh, I love Doom 3. I love Doom 3 when it came out. My friend for some reason had like three copies of the hardbox version of it. I don't know why, but he had so many of them. And we used to like, we used to gather around his computer and play through the intro where it's like, cool, you go through this space facility and then you go in this one room and then all hell breaks loose. And it's just it's so cool. Um, but then actually playing through the game itself was kind of painful. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's it was a it was a cool game at the time. It was spooky. Um, I just always I I still maintain this opinion that I think Doom Three is is a fine game. It just goes into the horror direction. It's it's like whereas Doom Twenty Sixteen and Doom Eternal go all in on the FPS fast paced side of Doom, Doom Three just goes all in on the horror side of it, and it also pushes technology like. Dude, the the PBR workflow of current um, game making that w was from Doom Three. It was a very important game, um, but um, yeah, I've always liked Doom Three. I still do. It's just a bit long in casual play. I feel like you could shave off a couple of hours and it would make for a better game. But I don't really care for the discourse around it. It's just. Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't care for discourse in general. It's just play the games you want to play. Some people like Doom sixty four. <laughs> You're not a fan of Doom sixty four. I think Doom three is better than Doom sixty four. I might agree yep. with you actually. I think Doom sixty four is fine, but uh, I actually was a big fan of Doom three as well when it came out. Uh, I played. I think I played through it probably four or five times. I, Resurrection of Evil was a very good expansion as well. Uh, I played through that a lot, and uh, probably more than anyone should play through Doom 3, but <laughs> I thought it was pretty good. Uh, I suppose... I'm, not, I'm, I'm not even sure if I agree with myself that I just want to rile people up. <laughs> <laughs> About um, Doom 64. I think I might agree I, with you. I think I, 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 th I think just like Doom 64 is cool. I, I hate the claymation enemies. They look so terrible. Yeah. I think I love the mood of it is cool. It's just not that much of a deviation from Doom 1 and 2 to like 
I don't know, man. People like different things. I hate what they did the, with, with the Mancubus, and I will never forgive them. The Mancub- I always thought the Mancubus was one of the better Doom 64 enemies, actually. Oh, I hate how that... They butchered my boy! Is it just the, is it the firing, or is it the way he looks? It's the way he wobbles around like a penguin, dude. <laughs> I can't stand it. That's, but he's, uh, he's like a bit more swole. He's like, he looks a bit stronger. He's not just like a big blob. I always thought he looked a little bit better. Uh, but the Doom 3 Mancubus, on the other hand, that's a cool design. See, yeah, yeah. Doom 3, 1, Doom 64, 0. That's true. Uh, I agree with the claymation aspect. Uh, one thing I always really liked about classic Doom was that uh, in a world of games that all use sprites, because of the extra rotations they have, uh, the, the monsters actually feel really solid in Doom. And uh, in Doom 64, they do not feel solid. They look like Paper Mario enemies. Which is kind of my issue with it, too. Uh, I suppose uh, the reason I sort of wanted to ask about Doom 3 was because, obviously, you've done speedruns of it. And I was curious, like, what makes it fun as a speed game? Because it is obviously, like, very slow-paced and not, like, a lot of movement tech and stuff in it. Uh, did you, is that just another example of you just playing the game because you enjoyed it? it? It actually has a lot of movement tech because it has strafe jumping. So, and it has stamina management, which is constant throughout the run. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I picked it up because a few other people were talking about picking it up, I think. And then I just went ahead and did it. I started running it. At that point, it was, it was another one of those games where no one active at the time in running it and people the last run of it was like a vanilla run from who knows when and then i did i started running it on the bfg edition which is like in terms of the run there's slight changes um but still i i kind of I'm going to take the credit once again. I, I was the reason why Doom 3 speedrunning started popping off again. Me. I don't know. I just, I just found it fun. And then I started running it. And it's still one of my favorite speedruns. It's, um, mm-hmm. it's just... It, it's kind of chill and challenging at the same, same time. Because um, it does have strafe jumping, so you have to worry about movement. And then you have to constantly manage your stamina because you, you have a stamina bar that drains throughout the game. And you need to... There's, there's this kind of resource management aspect to it. And then, you know, you, you do have to work. There's some cool tricks in it, uh, mostly like rocket jumps and rocket grenade jumps. So there's, there's, there's that side to it. And I, I, I generally also, I, I, I favor games or speedruns that are a healthy mix between Maybe they'll have one or two cool, cool glitches, and then there's a bunch of playing the game, quote unquote, how it's intended to be played. Um, it's all it's all about the balance of it and pacing. So I think in that regard, Doom Three is also a good one, and also the expansion is a is a really fun speedrun as well. And it, it's a bit different than the main game. Mm-hmm. Well, I did actually want to talk to you a little bit about. <clears throat> sort of like doing glitchless runs and stuff because uh like you have the any percent world records uh, in the glitchless category for 
well, we'll send old blood and and new water and whenever i've watched you doing speedruns it seems to be that you play sort of the more straightforward glitchless categories um I guess I'm sort of wondering, like, what kind of things you have to look out for for optimizing those types of runs. Like, I guess it's very different per game, but when you're not actively sort of looking to do glitched runs, uh, do you tend to, like, focus on games that have, like, movement as their main mechanic and stuff? Like, what kind of uh, sort of things do you have to look out for, I suppose, when running those games? Well, when it comes to glitchless runs, I generally don't care for them. It's just not the kind of thing that I really enjoy because, again, I enjoy the healthy mix of glitches and playing the game like it's supposed to be played. Um, well, Wolfenstein, I, I've run pretty much every Wolfenstein game except for like the 2D ones. Mm-hmm. Um, so those kind of have a soft spot in my heart and especially Wolfenstein the New Order and the Old Blood I've played those I've played and run those games for a long time and I don't know at some point <laughs> they were basically they were easy runs for me to pick up because I already was very familiar with the games and frankly the previous runs that were on the leaderboard sucked so I was like <laughs> all right well this is an easy run for me to pick up. Here's entertainment for stream for a week, and I get a free recce. Done. Easy <laughs> clap. <laughs> I don't know, but it was it was. I, I ended up enjoying them quite a bit. I think it was especially the old blood, where it's like, you know, you 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 don't do all the crazy clips through walls, but there's still there's managing of which weapons you use. There's there's combat. Um, like optimizing how you deal with combat situations. There's management of where, like small micromanagement of movement. Where where do I start sprinting? Because Wolfenstein is kind of there's a lot of small things that don't come across in a speed run that yeah. actually affect things. Where like um, where I start sprinting, where I switch to a weapon might affect like the speed of animations and blah 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 all these like small things which are even more pronounced in a glitchless run where you don't have those big tricks that skip everything so it was that part i actually ended up enjoying quite a bit yeah and i suppose on that topic of sort of very glitchy runs uh i remember like doom eternal any percent was like relatively glitchless i think uh to begin with and then <laughs> it sort of became a bit of a meme really uh the any percent run where i'm pretty sure they just ended up sort of firing themselves through all the walls and, and completing the maps uh was that sort of a bit regretful for you because i i know then you sort of moved into doing 100 percent runs because i think you started doing any percent if i remember correctly uh i i can't remember was there like a glitchless category fairly quickly for doom eternal or no I actually started with Ultra Nightmare 100% from the get-go. I never did any percent because I knew it was going to be like that. From right. like, I also played Doom 2016 where the run was a bit slower to get to that point where it's completely broken, but it did get there eventually. And based on that, I expected the same to happen with Doom Eternal 
way faster because people are already familiar with the previous iteration of the engine and the game. So they're going to do the same with the new one. And there's also a more recently a trend amongst speed games where they get to that point. Obviously, there's expect, ex exceptions to the rule, but a lot of the time, an any percent run will get absolutely decimated if there's enough interest from people um, to actually route it, which, you know, that's, that's just due to speedrunning being more popular these days and there being more people who are very good at breaking games doing what they do best. And there's more communities forming around different, different games. Um, it's just, and that's also why I personally, these days, I don't really care for any percent runs of new games, because again, I prefer the healthy balance of there being some actual game left in there instead of just jumping out of the map for two minutes and then the run is over. Those can be fun sometimes and funny sometimes, especially as a spectator, but I don't, that's not really enjoyable to me. Um, but yeah, with Doom Eternal, I, I started with 100% glitchless Ultra Nightmare right from the get-go, specifically right. because I wanted to avoid having to... Well, was it even glitchless? I don't even remember at this point. Either way, it was a longer run than any percent. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, I suppose it's that fine balance of not becoming sort of the... The one I always think of is the Pokemon runs at AGDQ, where they basically just go to the computer and they just write themselves code, essentially, to put them at the end of the game. That is sort of the <laughs> ultimate, like, <laughs> it's sort of taking the glitched category to its sort of final conclusion, I suppose, which... Oh yeah, and it's very impressive when people figure out how to do that. Like, the same happened with La Mulana, the first game that I ever run, where it basically went from being a two-hour run, very intricate, like going back and forth, managing all your items, your and all these hard boss fights into, all right, I'm in the starting area, I'm going to do some weird stuff, and now I'm at the end of the game. Yeah. I'm like, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. But, but it doesn't, it, it's, it's a completely different run at that point. And when that happens, people usually make like, a separate category that resembles the old style of play, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, it's 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 technically it's it's very cool seeing people push games to that limit. Yeah, for sure. But I can definitely understand wanting to uh have some semblance of the actual game intact when you do a speedrun as well. <laughs> Cuz you're playing it to play the game presumably and like have fun doing it. So, you know. Uh you talked uh, in that interview that I read, uh, you talked a little bit about games where they specifically put things in for speedrunners and how that kind of misses the point a little bit. Do you think when developers try to cater to speedrunners, they sort of maybe they stifle the creativity of like developing routes for the games? Hmm. I, th I think. Like the best type of catering to speedrunners you can do is implementing a timer in your game, whether it be like something basic like on your on your screen where you see your save file, it says the total play time, and it's actually just the in-game time instead of menus on top. 
Like that's one of the best things you can do. Or like an you implement an actual speedrun mode where it gives you the timer. I don't necessarily even care for some games do like a speedrun mode where they disable cutscenes and whatnot, but I, I feel like that's even going a bit far because sometimes you find skips to go past cutscenes. Yeah. And now you've you've implemented a mode where you kinda skip that um searching for a possible skip to a part of the game but sm yeah small implementing a small thing like a timer is the best thing you can do as a developer and then considering uh, being considerate about how you construct the scripting for your level because some games are very script very strict about the sequence of events that needs to happen in order to progress through the game at which point it's hard to, as a speedrunner, try and find a way to sequence break anything. So that's one consideration that you can do as a dev. But um, um, when it comes to like the more uh, like like the games that are oh we're for speedrunners, you gotta go fast in this game from point A to point B, and it's nothing else. It's like just do a Make a game, dude. Make a good game. <laughs> don't don't cater to speedrunners in that. Like that to me, that feels insulting. Mm -hmm. it, it, I don't know. It, it seems like trying to pander to speedrunners because speedrunning was pop, pop, got way more popular than it was, and suddenly you start seeing these speedrun centric games that just don't really do much, and it kind of it's a very surface level cut of what speedrunning can be like sure if you look at i don't know how to talk about this because it's like if you look at a racing game sure um a typical racing game where you do three laps on a course and the fastest wins technically that's already a speedrun but that's like that doesn't necessarily that misses some of the nuance that speedrunning can have at its purest form where like if a racing game, like some of the Mario Karts, I think yeah. the the old ones go pretty crazy with the stuff that you do like, oh, I'm going to go to a specific spot and then I'm going to get hit by this specific AI in order to get bounced out of, out of bounds completely. And then I skip two laps and now I'm at the end. Like that just, there's that layer of um, sophistication to different types of speedruns that, those kind of surface level trying to pander to speedrunners games completely miss in my opinion but then obviously you could you could probably still go into a game like that and find god knows what glitches in there so i don't know man it's just there's more to speedrunning than just going from point a to point b that some people don't seem to understand yeah, I mean, I would imagine, like, do you think a lot of it comes down to, like, a lot of the fun of speedrunning? Does it come down to sort of being able to creatively route something in the first place? Like, I know that a lot of runners, they don't even watch, uh, like, they won't watch other people's runs or other people's records or whatever. They will just completely route their own route, and then you end up with these, like, you might have one game with like four different ways to route it that are kind of around the same speed, which is kind of one of the fun aspects of it, I think. Oh, absolutely. And there's, there's like there's multiple people I know who speedrun and they 
actually do like i i myself do that i don't want like if i'm learning a new new game that's just come out it, it's a different story if i'm going to a specific old game that already has one run from like 30 years ago or whatever and then i look look at that as reference and then i look at okay well maybe i can improve something in the in this and then i just go full in routing mode but if it's a if it's a brand new game that just come out i go into it wanting to route it myself i don't care what anyone else is doing i'm going to route it myself and at some point i will look at what others do but that's not initially what i care about at all and i know other, there's others who do the same and some people prioritize like thinking of weird categories that might be more like out there in terms of i, I guess the fun of it like just some yeah. absurd absurd stuff that no one else is going to think about just just for the heck of it just to have fun routing something different than just the any percent go fast mode mm-hmm. um, what is like your routing process for a new game is it completely different from game to game or do you have like some things that you tend to like look out for fairly consistently like movement and stamina management and you know like the basic kind of things it probably varies from game to game but it's usually it's just Obviously, I, I want to play through some people. The, the people who go straight into routing mode and they don't even play the game, those people are freaks and they need to be locked up. <laughs> yeah, that is all. That, that's, that's wrong. But I, I play through the game and then I don't even, at that point, I don't even think about speedrunning. I'm just fully immersed in trying to actually enjoy the game for what it is. And, you know, if it's fun enough, I make the decision, okay, I want to speedrun this. And then I start playing through it again, hopefully having internalized some of the like routing through the game, like how you progress through different things and what happens where i'm I'm at this point pretty good at remembering things um, so i I start going through the game again, and then it, it's just layer by layer i'm definitely not like i'm not much of a glitch hunter at this point because i also prefer to do the routing on stream and glitch hunting is some of the most boring stuff you can do and i feel like anytime i do it on stream i just feel awkward and like i'm wasting everyone's time Um, so i definitely and i'm not good at it to begin with i can do some glitch hunting and i've found some glitches but like the the kind of thing that I like like to think that I specialize in is um, also uh, I was about to say movement, but I'm adequate adequate at movement. If there's like bunny hopping or strafe jumping, whatever, I'm definitely not the best at it. Uh, but I can get by. I think what I am decent to good at is managing weapons and combat scenarios and figuring out how to optimize those. Um, So that's what I kind of pay the closest attention to. That's also the types of runs that I gravitate towards, I guess, at this point. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's, it's just going through the game repeatedly and layer by layer, like going from some of the more bigger picture stuff what could i possibly 
sequence break here? Can I skip this interaction? Blah, blah, blah. Figure out, figure out those steps level by level. And then as you... And I usually start speedrunning pretty early. Once I have like a basic route, I start going through it and uh, with a timer. And then I probably get more ideas as I do those runs and then just iterate, iterate, iterate. So it's pretty much all like feel and memory and stuff. You're not like, you don't have like a spreadsheet or a text document or something. You're popping open the right down strats or anything. Or... Yeah, no, not okay. usually. Because, you know, I'll be streaming it so I can always check the VOD. And the only time I really ever use a text file is if there's like item management included where like I need to go to a merchant in game and I need to buy a specific amount of resources or whatever. Mm -hmm. Or Doom 3's locker codes, potentially. I would yeah, yeah, I, I had those I always had in my splits because there's usually just one locker per split right. or in an area that I need to actually open. So I would just have it on my split so I can easily remember it. But then I also got to a point where I don't need to actually look at them. I remember the codes. Yeah, I remember <laughs> I remember I used to have to go back, even years later when I played Doom 3, I would go back to this one. Uh, you know those really old guides people would write in text document format? And they would be like oh, yeah. ASCII art at the top and stuff, and they would have written like a 40,000 page guide for free online. I had to go yeah. back to one of those and, you know, find all the locker codes every time to get that BFG and stuff. That's good quality. That was uh, that was a good time on the internet. I think when those guides were around. <laughs> uh, I personally, I, I I miss back when you used to go to the library to find one of those big books of cheat codes, and then like ninety percent of them don't even work because they're based on complete hearsay. Call that up was like the best Nintendo Power and pay like five dollars a minute <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> High quality. Uh. So, you talked about sort of Doom 3 and when that came out and really enjoying it. Did you enjoy Doom 2016 right off the bat? Like, were you someone who was excited for, like, the fast-paced nature of the game? Or were you actually, like, hoping for another Doom 3 since you really liked the game? I, was I think I was just, in general, hoping for a good game. Because right. Doom 2016 was such a, had such a roller coaster for development. I don't think I had any like specific expectations of a style. I just wanted it to be good. And it ended up being that. And I yeah, I did I did like it from the get go. It just there was always that uncertainty of is 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 this gonna live up to the hype? Because it is a new Doom game. I love Doom. I want it to be good. I hope it is good. And the way they went about uh, revealing the game was a bit weird as well. When they like the first footage that they actually showed of it, which, well, technically it was the footage that they showed behind closed doors at QuakeCon where I wasn't. But the the actual public thing that they showed was a uh, was at E three at some point, whenever that was, of like. You know, those very typical E3 console-ass looking walkthrough demos where you're yeah. clearly going with a controller looking around very slow at all the funny, cool environments. 
wow, I'm so amazed. I was like, this is Doom. Show me the goddamn game. Show me the combat. But instead, you get a dude going on a on a on like a scooter around, being <laughs> slow as crap, picking up a weapon, admiring it for five minutes. It's like yeah. the worst way you can promote this game, and you don't understand the player base that you're trying to cater it to. Thanks, Todd. Yeah, that that didn't help. Um, like it visually looked cool but it just wasn't a good indication of what the actual game would be at that point. And then even after that, they went, they, they did the, they did a closed multiplayer test. Of the, oh, that's right. Yeah. That was incredibly weird that they did that because the multiplayer yeah. was so, uh, I mean, it wasn't like it was so different from the, the game, like the actual gameplay obviously was pretty similar, but like it didn't really, I don't know. It was some weird, like, semi-quake doom hybrid it was very strange to put that out there yeah so the they, they did a closed beta test weekend of that um that i actually was a part of and you know it was fun it's just again it's not really an indicator of what the thing that matters which is a single player it's not indicative of that in any way and it was just like all these weird moves that they did leading up to release didn't help. And then they finally released actual PC gameplay footage on Nightmare Difficulty of like a single fight at an NVIDIA conference or, conference or something. Like no one's going to see that. Yeah. It's like that should have been put out first, dude. It's so annoying. It is strange. Um, I mean, even the Doom Eternal stuff, you were talking about the controller stuff. Whenever they do Doom Eternal footage, it's always some dude with a controller, and he's like, he can barely weapon switch quickly, it's like slowing down the camera because he's on console or whatever. He can't turn fast enough to shoot more than one enemy. It's like, I get that you need to like temper the expectations of console gamers, but you know, they know what a mouse is, they know what exists on PC. Like just show the guy playing the game as fast as possible, you know? Yeah, and you can also like I, I get the whole thing that you need to uh, you need to show you need to showcase the game in an accessible format to as many people as possible because at the end of the day that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to sell the game. But I just feel like there's a better, like, I could, I, I thought at some point of doing, like, a mock-up of, you know how there's, like, I forget the name, but there's, like, a YouTube channel of a dude who does, like, stealth stuff and really cool tricks in every every possible game, and it's, like, very, very choreographed. He, like, goes through Far Cry and does these specific interactions and tricks, and it's just, it's real gameplay, but it's very choreographed and figured out beforehand. And yeah. it's just nice and smooth and actual, actually like looks good an actual human being playing a game. I feel like you can do that same thing with something like Doom to make it more appealing from that marketing footage instead of a dude who barely knows how to hold a controller. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, like doing my Ultra Nightmare runs of Doom Eternal, like you get those fights so down in your head that you probably could basically choreograph it anyway from just doing them over and over again so just get anyone who's oh. played the game enough and they would be able to put something together that looked better i think 
Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's like, it's not, uh, I think some people have the perception that when you use a mouse, it has to be like jerky and all over the place, like you're in a Call of Duty frag movie. But no, that's not the case. It can be, it can be sophisticated and beautiful. It's true. I mean, if you really want to temper console gamers' expectations, I mean, you could really just do two separate trailers as well. Like, have a console-focused trailer, and then, you know, do, just do a mixture of different sort of gameplay footage, and then, you know. Because, like, how am I supposed to tell how fast the game is going to be on PC if, if I can't actually see what the mouse movement looks like and stuff? Oh, yeah, you could, you could essentially do what, like, what they did with Doom 2016, except instead of there being three months in between the first E3 trailer and then the actual PC gameplay, release them at the same time. It's that simple. Yeah, exactly. Uh, with Doom 2016 and Eternal, uh, I guess we talked a little bit about catering to speedrunners and stuff. I... I don't think this was necessarily the, like why they put Ultra Nightmare in the game, but do you think modes that are like Ultra Nightmare tend to help incentivize people to put speedruns together because of the, like the inherent challenge involved? I don't think so. No. I think I, I think modes like that are really cool and they're a fun challenge, especially like I don't. With Doom 2016, when I played through Ultra Nightmare, I just did it for fun, and it ended up, ended up being really fun. Uh, I don't think it bears any weight when it comes to... I mean, it, it gives you a different avenue when it's something that specific, like permadeath, uh, instead of just being the hardest, you know, instead of just being Nightmare, where it's essentially the same game, it's just a bit harder this time. Permanent adds it adds to it like something a bit more of a twist in how you I guess think of the speedrun. Because when it when it comes to speedrunning, there's usually you just run the game on the easiest difficulty because it's the fastest. Yeah. So there there needs to be a bit more incentive to run a separate difficulty. Which at the end of the day I honestly don't know if Ultra Nightmare really does. I always just did it because it was cool. <laughs> That's the only reason. I don't like yeah. and it it would get to a point where you want to you're essentially playing the same run as you would in normal any percent or whatever 100%. It's just if you die you die. Um you would still want to go as fast as possible, so you'd want to go for the riskiest strats either way, so it kind of loses its meaning. You know, like, there's, there's, there's no, like, that... Mm -hmm. No pressure over it. I guess I was thinking, because it kind of neatly splits the game between one long single-segment run and then individual level runs, I guess. Was perhaps my thinking behind it. And because you're already establishing it as the big challenge of the game, so anyone who enjoys a challenge is kind of going to go for that, and then uh, the speedrun kind of creates itself out of that. But maybe... Yeah. Maybe no. Perhaps I don't know. Just I'm, I'm, I'm just... Uh, I remember when Doom 2016 came out, and I was like the only person who did Ultra Nightmare stuff, and they controversy around. Well, not, not really controversy. Some person got pissy about... Uh, 
Ultra Nightmare being a thing, and then they 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 were being a funny man because you could like you could cheat Ultra Nightmare by Alt F fouring if oh, you're about to die, yeah, and it yeah. would just put you back to the checkpoint. So a person made a funny run where funny Ultra Nightmare run where they did exactly that, and I don't know. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it, it happened in Doom Eternal too, right? Couldn't you do that in Doom Eternal? You probably can. Actually, when I was doing uh, one of my Ultra Nightmare runs, at the end of it, I decided, oh, I'll just go into the master levels on my Ultra Nightmare save. And it turns out that the game stops being Ultra Nightmare once you go into a master level, so you can actually save your Ultra Nightmare game by going into a master level. And you get bonus lives and stuff as well, I think. I think they count. Because I have an Ultra Nightmare save that exists on my on my file because of that. Huh. Yeah. Which I just found out by total coincidence. I don't know, maybe that's patched now. This was a very long time ago. But uh, I thought that was interesting. I hadn't seen it happen to anyone else. Uh, I mean, you were one of the people who beat Ultra Nightmare. Like, one of the first people that I saw beat it. I think I remember you and Zero Master and there were a couple of other I think Hardest, there was a French Overwatch player, I think he did it very early as well. You were definitely one of the first that I saw. Was that uh like were you trying to be one of the first to beat it? Was that something you wanted to do when the game came out, or was this just uh because you tend to generally want to start speedrunning things early? So with Doom twenty sixteen Zero Master was the actual first person to uh, beat Ultra Nightmare, but I was the first person to do it live. And I think the difference between our runs was like an, literally within hours of each other, which mm-hmm. is funny. Funny. Um, and then with Eternal, I was I have no idea who actually did it first. And it's like, it's not something that it, it software confirmed with either game. Um, but with Eternal, I was again the first person to do it live. So I have that under my belt. Mm-hmm. Um, with 2016, I, I didn't really care. I just I thought it would be fun. It's just one of those things that kind of ended up being a big thing um, afterwards. I just went into it thinking that, yep, this could be fun. Let's do it. And I specifically, like, if, if you want to actually try and be the first to do it you would go about it a bit different like you would go in specific levels on nightmare and actually practice things beforehand and maybe you would even include some routing when it comes to power-ups and stuff like because you could reset how many bfg charges you have charges depending on where you pick up upgrades so you could route that in there a bit if you actually wanted to try and be the fastest but i didn't do any of that crap i just went into it yep this should be fun and i figured it out life like i just bashed my head against the wall until i got through <laughs> and it was a lot of fun I, I didn't really care about being the first as aim goes for eternal i i just wanted it's all about fun mm-hmm. and did you prefer like the ultra nightmare experience in eternal or 2016 overall do you think Hmm. Probably eternal because I obviously in hindsight it's easy to say that I prefer eternal because I prefer eternals. I think in most regards eternal is an improvement over 2016. Yeah. 
I can't remember how I felt about Ultra Nightmare in 2016, but I would probably say that I prefer it in Eternal, just because Eternal is a better game overall when it comes to the combat loop. Yeah, I think I would agree. At least for me, I enjoyed Eternal a bit more. A bit faster. I think the arenas, like, the combat was a little more dynamic, and the arena setups were generally a bit more interesting. Uh, I'm curious what you thought, like, what your thoughts on Eternal's DLCs were and uh, how you think they stack up with the original game. I think Ancient Gods Part 1 is fantastic. It is, in my, like, in my opinion, if that was the only DLC that the game had and that would be the end, it would be perfect. Because that game somehow amplified what the campaign did up to an 11 successfully, and it was just... It was hectic, um, but manageable, and it just felt like an actual finale. It felt really good throughout. It had great pacing. I, just, I think Ancient Gods Part 1 is really good. Mm-hmm. I think Part 2 falls short um, in a few regards. I don't think it's, it's a bit more loose. It doesn't feel like the build-up it should be because it's supposed to be the end of the storyline. It doesn't feel like that with the way the pacing of the actual gameplay is. And it also introduces the worst single enemy that has been implemented in any Doom goddamn ever, which is the Green Prowler. I don't know how that thing got passed any stage of development, frankly. <laughs> um, also, the last boss is just an amplified Marauder, which is annoying, because Marauders are not a great enemy to begin with, and it's just a longer Marauder fight, which I don't care for at all. Oh, you don't like Marauders? Like, That's interesting. I always really like them, actually. I don't care for them. I, I, they, they wouldn't be as bad if you had... The issue that I have with the Marauders is it's it's red light stop green light go i don't like that i don't feel like that's really fitting it always brings the combat to a stop when there's a marauder involved and now i have to wait for him to give me the green light in order to be able to damage him if there was another and early on you could you had different multiple different ways of like you could shoot a grenade you could shoot an ice grenade over him that he would track that because he's a bit of a dumbass. Um, <laughs> Did they patch all that and, out? Like, yeah. Uh, there, there were different ways of circumventing how you are supposed to deal with him. Uh, and that was kind of acceptable. But then they kept patching those things out, which is annoying. And I, you know, they, they might have legitimate reasons, except hating people um, for doing those. You know, sometimes it, it's a side effect of fixing another thing. That something that people use just gets fixed um which is fine whatever i don't know why they fix those things but the if there was just like if i could just shoot the shield you know do enough damage to the shield so it goes away instead of always having to wait for this specific pattern in order to do damage to this goddamn enemy in a game that's all about 
creativity or freedom in how you approach situations with the guns that you desire. There might be more optimal ways to deal with something, but you still are given the freedom to deal with a situation how you desire. Except with these specific enemies, like the Marauder and then the... What's the spirit? Is it just called the spirit? And yeah. I think it's the second DLC well, where they introduced no, the that. It's the first, I'm pretty sure. Right? Well, I find that interesting that you talk about the Marauder being like having that issue. Because uh, I found that they ebbed and flowed okay uh, for me for the most part. But when I played the first DLC, I really hated those uh, spirit enemies that you had to use the plasma, uh, uh, what, the microwave thing. I thought those did what you said, where I had to stop and I had to like it just ruined the flow of combat for me entirely. Oh yeah, it, it, it's the it's the same issue where like I need to use a specific mod for a specific weapon because apparently there was not enough usage of that weapon mod, so we gotta cram in something so we get those up. It's so annoying. Yeah, it's like, forced meta gaming, which is not a good way to balance it. I don't think. Yeah, it, it should be. It's fine if that's the best way to deal with the enemy, but give me the option to deal with the enemy in other ways as well. I agree, it, yeah. And the same goes for the the stone imps in, in DLC 2, where I, I th early on you were able to like shield bash into them with the minigun and that would kill them or something. Mm -hmm. And then they patched that out to be only the whatever the shotgun like variant of it is that goes full blap blap where you need to use specifically this one mod in order to deal with this enemy it's the same issue it's just yeah. annoying and limiting and feels like a band-aid to get more usage out of this weapon mod yeah i think um well did they patch out the thing with marauders where you could um there were a... oh god there were so many different ways to kill them actually now that i think about it they had the one where you could <laughs> hit them in the back with the rocket launcher lock-on. That was another way you could kill them. Uh, and the BFG usage. Of I thought the BFG one was one of the best. Because it was like, okay, you deal with the Marauder quickly, but you have to manage your cells well to have BFG ammo like for what you needed it for later. So it felt like a good trade-off. But I don't know if they also patched being able to BFG Marauders, did they? I don't. I... I, I, at least when I last played, I don't think they had fixed it. Um, yeah, there's definitely like they didn't fix all of those things. There's yeah. the I don't know if they fixed the rocket rocket shooting in the back, and then there's you can also ballistic the ground, and that might stagger them. And there's all of these crazy different ways that people have figured out to deal with them, and that's great. Yeah, I think that is great, and and I agree a hundred percent that like I, I'm really not a fan of forced metagaming uh, in terms of balance, like, like you said, with the plasma thing, it's like, well, people aren't using this mod, so now we'll force them to use it. And it's like, well, maybe people aren't using it because it's not fun or it's not good. Like, maybe make it fun and good, and then people will, <laughs> will use it, you know? I think that is the way you should be sort of aiming to balance personally, but, uh, you know, difficult to say all of their reasons for it. Uh... And I suppose Marauders, for the most part, I liked them as an enemy, but my biggest issue was, for me was that they were really fucking buggy. Like, uh, if an enemy, one of the enemies, like, shot them in the back while they were in the middle of an animation, it would reset their animation. So sometimes they could, like, hit you twice or 
come out of their um, stagger animation or something, uh, they had a lot of problems. Like traversing in, um, what's it called? Not Erdak, the, the other one before it. There was one particular area where they come down a slope and <laughs> they would really bug out in that area. They had a lot of problems in that regard. That was my main issue with them, I think. Yeah, they had issues where they couldn't like, I don't remember what it was specifically, but something about stairs where they, maybe you couldn't stagger them there. Something yeah. just didn't work. Yeah. Um, but it's also, it, it, that, that's a hard enemy to pull off. And I think they, they did fix those issues as time went on. But yeah, it's unfortunate that um, those issues were there to begin with. Yeah. And like I said, I mean, overall, personally, I quite like them, but but just the buggy stuff is a bit of a problem. Because sometimes it could kill an Ultra Nightmare run, <laughs> for instance. Uh, you, we sort of talked a little while ago about how you didn't really like it when developers sort of try to cater to speedruns in specific ways. I do remember watching you do 100% runs, and there were definitely like a lot of frustrations from you and a lot of other runners that I watched uh, with regards to like the glory kill challenges that were <laughs> really painful a lot of the time. Do you wish like developers would think about speedrunners for things like that perhaps, where um, uh, they're perhaps creating things, like I mean 100% as a category is like it's quite well known uh, that that's going to become a thing for games and if developers are thinking about speedruns I guess it would be nice if maybe they, they thought about how these things might impact speedruns. Do you think that's something that could happen potentially? I mean I think they definitely it, it's, a, it's a healthy thing to consider because it doesn't just affect speedrunners it, it also affects casual players especially like taking the glory kills for example which is like that's in Necroll Part Two, I think the, it's the the vile and the, cyber demon uh, or tyrant. Or yeah, those 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 two specific glory kills that you need to do from a specific angle that you only have one chance to do. It's like I feel like you could maybe I I don't know how you change it, but definitely like consider what that's going to be like on Ultra Nightmare. But hindsight 2020, it, it's like there's so much to do when it comes to game dev. You possibly cannot see every angle beforehand. But yeah, it definitely, it definitely can. I think it can help to consider how speedrunners are going to use your game and maybe trying to I don't want to say make it easier on them, but like maybe more accessible. I don't know. Because it it does end up also affecting casual players and it can help how the game feels in general in these small ways. Or maybe in most cases, the casual players will know what's going on. That's fine. I don't know. It, yeah, it should be a consideration, but at the end of the day, lots to do in games. Yeah, of course. I guess it's just because uh, I think these days, like, speedrunning is uh, relatively beneficial for games. Uh, maybe more so, like, indie devs and stuff, but uh, you can sort of 
some games get a lot bigger just because the speedruns become popular, you know, in fact, so it's probably like a mutually beneficial thing to sort of think about these things during development, I would imagine. Yeah, and especially for purely single-player games where it's the case you play it once and then you're done onto the next game. It can provide longevity in the form of people who pick it up for speedrunning. So, yeah, it's definitely helpful. Yeah. Yeah, those insane people you were talking about you start routing right off the bat and they play the same game for five years or whatever. That's what you need. Uh, so, it, I feel like we did touch on this a little bit, but sort of how aware are you when you're doing runs of... Because um, you said you like to do runs that like you think people would like to watch. Does that necessarily mean you're hoping for like certain viewership numbers like do you think you continued playing doom eternal longer than you would normally another speed game because uh it was quite a popular run or is that uh really not something you take into like too much consideration i only consider it when it's like a run that i'm and like it's a fun run i'm fine running it for a while but i feel like I reach a point where I could either keep running this or I could move on. I'm fine either way. At that point, I start like considering if looking at the viewer numbers a bit, seeing if they are liking it. Um, it doesn't really come into play. Like if I enjoy a game, I'm gonna uh, and a run, I'm just gonna keep running it. That was the case for Eternal, and eventually I just burn out. I don't really chase. I don't care about chasing viewer numbers. Like, if I really wanted to try and cap it on, like, big numbers, I would have kept running Eternal for a long time and completely burned myself out just to have those numbers. But I don't care, because at the end of the day, I need to enjoy it. If I don't, I move on. Yeah, I mean, I would imagine eventually it's diminishing returns of, like, the stream suffering for you playing something you don't enjoy anyway, I think. Oh yeah, and people, people will eventually lose interest in the game anyways. Um, and it's like, it's the, it's the kind of issue where street, that streamers run into where they get known for one thing and one thing only. They, if they try to branch out to something different, they, they, they're just dead in the water because it's not the one thing that they are known for. So they don't have any viewers left. Yeah, it's like I've I've always been very conscious about. I don't want to be that. I want to be able to play what I want to. Um, and like I I only care about viewer numbers so so much. It's like I'm not streaming isn't my job. I do it as a hobby, and I need to be able to enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, sort of considering that AGDQ was like pretty much your first introduction to speedrunning. And now that they're doing, like, remote runs for a lot of their games where you can kind of uh, come in and just be on camera, like, they'll do it through, you know, uh, Zoom or Discord or whatever it is. Presumably Discord. Uh, have you considered, like, submitting a run for AGDQ? Or is that not something you necessarily be interested in? I don't think I really care to do marathons. I've done a few. Um... The biggest one that I did was ESA, which is the 
I don't even remember what it stands for anymore, but it's the, it's the one that, like, it's the European GDQ, basically, that's in Sweden. I, I did uh, a Quake 2 run for them. I don't remember if it was 100%. I did one online run for them, and then I've done some smaller marathons. But these are all, like, around 2018, probably, latest. Right. I guess the most recent thing that I've done, the, most, the, the two most recent things that I've done is I did a a live speedrun of Doom 2016 at QuakeCon 2016, which was a lot of fun, like actually in person with a room full of people. That was a great experience. And then I also did a run of or, or a Ultra Nightmare attempt of Doom Eternal for one of the online QuakeCons. I don't remember what year that was. Attempt. Like, in <laughs> Yeah, I died. Oh, no. I died. It's like they, I, I, they, they want. I think it was twenty twenty. Whatever was their first time doing online quake. Um, right. They, I tried to make it. I, I told them that I'd rather do nightmare. They kept egging me on <laughs> to do ultra nightmare because it's cool. It's what people want to see. And honestly, like. All things considered, that run went really well because I got up to Erdak and I oh, yeah. just died to something that you cannot predict happening. Like just, I died to some random goddamn hell knight that just decided that he's going to jump over the moon all of a sudden. It's just, yeah. you cannot... The, I, 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 I basically beat the game pretty much. I was in the second to last level in one of the last fights on that level or something. I got very close and... It was very smooth up until that point. So all in all, it's still a success because it's a good showcase of what the run is and how fast it can end. But that was a, yeah, that was a fun time. Well, I mean, it would definitely be cool to see you at HDQ. Just putting it out there. Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets coming in the next HDQ. No? Unlikely. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Okay. I don't. I don't. I don't. In general, I just don't. I feel like marathons are something that you do if you want. It's either you really are you're really into a specific speedrun and you want to showcase it to the world because you love that game, or you're trying to promo yourself. Yeah. Right. And I'm. And I'm neither of those people. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Uh, well, I suppose for the final question, which uh. I ask everybody, but uh, I'll split this question because normally I ask people just what is your favorite Doom monster uh, for classic Doom. But I'll ask you, what's your favorite classic Doom monster and what's your favorite Doom Eternal monster and why? My favorite classic Doom monster is the Mancubus. Always has been. I love those chunky boys. Nice. Um, Doom Eternal. It might be the Arachnatron, just because they're funny fellows and take up some funny glory kills. I don't know. They're so fucking annoying in the early levels, though. <laughs> <laughs> map 1, and I think it's maybe just Map 1, actually. Arachnatrons feel like they're one of the worst to deal with when you've only got the little single shotgun. But, uh... Definitely a cool design. 
I mean, I, I think one of the things I was happy with with Doom Eternal was that they brought back, like, every monster from the original Doom 2 roster, which I wasn't really expecting them to do. It was kind of nice to have that full throwback. And uh, you'll also be glad to know that Skillsaw picked the Mancubus as his favorite monster, so you're in good Hell company. yeah. Yeah. There you go. The, almost the perfect answer. Um, well, yeah. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, we talked a little bit before the podcast about how I guess you don't necessarily think of yourself as like fully part of the Doom community because you don't necessarily sort of play uh, Doom P-Wads all the time and stuff. But um, uh, I discovered you through Doom, and I've always thought of you as someone uh, very related to at least ID, uh, with all the ID games that you speedrun and stuff. Uh, but uh, it was great that you agreed to come on, and um, and yeah, thanks a lot. Yeah, this was fun. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. And uh, that Harry Potter run, just saying. <laughs> <laughs> One day. Uh, but yeah, that'll uh, that'll wrap this one up. I'll be back with uh, another guest uh, at some point in the future, probably exactly next week because this is a weekly podcast. But yeah, thanks again, Dracu, and uh, catch you next time. <laughs>